podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and in each episode, we will have conversation with spiritual people living their lives, whether that's magic, divination, mysticism, or just the act of consciously living engaged with the world and trying to make sense of it as we all move through these turbulent and exciting times in which we find ourselves. You can catch up on all of the past episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts or in your favorite podcatcher of choice. Coming up just a few weeks after this podcast is released, I am running what I think is going to be an amazing online course. It's got three words that describe it. Sex, death, and destruction. Along with Teresa Reed, Camelia Elias, and myself, we're going to explore the three most powerful and sometimes feared cards of the tarot, each in their own class, starting on October 11th. This class is open for people of all levels, and it's really going to open up the way in which you look at cards and probably change the whole way that you read cards in general. If this is a thing that you're interested in, you can slide over to thehermitslamp.com and just click the link on the front page to get there. Class starts on October 11th, and participation is online from anywhere that you happen to be. Welcome to the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I am here today with Rosemary Stellick, who I know from sort of esoteric and occult communities, and uh, but they are a wide-ranging and diverse artist and many other things, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. For those who don't know who you are, Rosemary, why don't you tell us what you're up to these days? Well, I want to say hello to the auspicious world out there and welcome you to this podcast. I'm very honored to have an opportunity to speak with you, Andrew. It's a long and interconnected world that we share, mm -hmm. six degrees of each other, even karmically, I think. So it's wonderful to be here for this Hermit's Lab podcast. My name is Rosemary Stellick. Some people know me as Ro. Some people know me as Rose Marinus. And I am a multidimensional artist of sound and vision. My purpose in life is to embody the arts in terms of visual art, sonic art, magical art, musical arts, etc. And to be a living work of art in perpetual motion. How's that going? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems wonderful from what I'm seeing from the outside, but how's it going internally? I've come to the understanding that it would be really great if I can clone myself. Yes. Be like five people at once. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very deep love and respect for the cosmic mystery of experience and how it manifests itself in many realms. And it seems I dive into every interest that I have with a thousand percent passion. Um, so balance is something that's very apropos for me, speaking to you on the equinox. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm striving to balance the shadow and the light of all of that. 
Yeah, I find that it's, it's really been up for me. I was doing a reading about the equinox and kind of my personal journey this week, mm -hmm. and uh, I had uh, on one, you know three cards. On one side was uh, the tower. No, the other side was the, was the death card, right? <laughs> and in the middle was the um, the high priestess. And I was like, all right, what am I closing the book on? What am I letting go of? What, you know, what needs to be set free and emerged, right? You know, right. what, what, because those powers are so tied to the mysteries, right? Absolutely. When, when do we need to shake it up? When do we need to tighten it down? How do we keep that harmony and that balance going, you know? And that, that high priestess energy in the middle there just kind of, yeah, I got I got the both going here. I'm okay. It's gonna be fine. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. Walking that tightrope and holding that throne mm -hmm. you know, with dignity. Um, I just looked back at the past few weeks, even months, back to April of what's been going on, and I'm astounded by the whirlwind of things going on between the uh, visionary alchemy show that I wrapped up in New York City with the. Um, International Association of Artists of Imagination mm -hmm. to like bouncing back here and getting right into uh, World Goddess Day to record for that uh, through the invitation uh, sent to me via Laura Gonzalez who has an absolutely wonderful um, podcast herself called Lunatic Mondays. Mm -hmm. So she extended an, a welcome to me to submit nothing major, just, you know, 10 minutes of speaking, <laughs> 10 to 40 minutes speaking about some aspect of the goddess or of magic or witchcraft. And then from there, bouncing over to, um, before that there was the Witches and Wild Women Symposium that continued that um, motif, bouncing forward into... Uh, the Witch Fest North mm -hmm. and being welcomed into the vision of that through uh, Monica Bodersky of o OCAD to be a part of the admin to uh, organize a witch's walking tour mm -hmm. from October 5th to October 31st to celebrate the repealing of the uh, criminal law against practicing witchcraft. Uh, recently put forth. Yeah. So just insanity. Times, right? There's In, a lot going on. <laughs> and that's some of it, right? It's like all these yeah. other things and I'm striving to keep that balance because um, I have such a deep love of magic and humanity. And mm -hmm. Well, I feel like this time, you know, Hashtag witches of Instagram. Hashtag right. <laughs> all things witchy are welcome back, right? Right. This is sort of interesting reemergence of these ideas, reemergence, popularization of these ideas, right? In the broader consciousness going on. Right. And I think that it's very interesting to watch, you know, uh, people attempt to, like, co-opt them and monetize them. People uh, attempt to bring authenticity to it, you know, people uh, trying it on as variable forms of identity from fashion to culture to, to other things, you know, it's, it's very Absolutely. interesting to me. Yeah. And I, I, what, are you, what are you seeing about that that's inspiring to you? Well, it's kind of a, like anything, it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm seeing the double-edged sword of it. Um, there's a very powerful tool of weaving humanity and the world together via social media and the internet culture. What I find fascinating about it is that it's breaking down barriers and connecting, let's say, a, a Buddhist in Tibet with, you know, someone learning about Buddhism in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And it's creating this connection. Or if we were to get to witchcraft, it's opening up the mysteries to people that are yearning to learn and be educated. And it connects people like a direct pipeline to perhaps beings that they've read the materials of in the past and would have never fathomed being able to meet them. And here they are sending them a private message. So mm -hmm. there's a potential for it to connect people auspiciously. Yeah. But I can also see the sort of danger of it being spread too thin, turned into a pop culture, uh, one-dimensional uh, phenomenon that could expose people perhaps also to the sort of more shady side of it, of not doing the full, deep, uh, introspective walk of the talk. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a genuine concern that I can honor that you have in that. And I think anyone that has access to these um, social media platforms, I think it, it kind of raises the responsibility factor a little bit more to be um, a grounded, authentic um, individual, leader, teacher, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. to the greater uh, whole. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to... Um watching what's going on in, in the world and you know especially you know because I practice a traditional religion right sort of watching this sort of dance between people who are you know have lineage and have access to that mm -hmm. which I think is a very valuable and powerful thing uh, people who have their own connections to spirits uh, and where those sometimes are wonderful and you can feel the authenticity that comes from them and sometimes where those are super sketchy and the person you know I, I think Gordon White said uh, you know they're they're playing in the sandbox but they think they're playing in the cosmos yeah. you know where there's this sort of uh, people are kind of caught in their own consciousness and not emerging out into that deeper contact with the spirit realm where you know all those gods and goddesses and demons and other things are real and have their own separate agendas and yes. identities and you know that that level of contact becomes something quite different than you know a very sort of uh becomes less comfortable sometimes than yeah. you know those more mediated kinds of contact that people experience when they're starting out on the path i think that these tools are excellent as an entry point but there comes a point where individuals have to step away, like utilize it on an educational level and contact communication level, mm -hmm. but not go posting images of their altars on Instagram. I still feel a little, uh -huh. you know, uh, taken aback when I see these really intimate workings. Like, check it out. I'm, I've got a ritual happening right now. I'm like, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> Pull the curtain, somebody. Yeah. Uh, I still struggle with that. I know that, you know, to each their own. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I personally am not comfortable with the disclosure of these deeper levels of the mysteries to that extent. But if one is to use the tool to, like social media, for example, to reach out to teachers in order to bypass the more sketchy um, avenues that perhaps some of us have found our way down uh -huh. in the past before uh, yeah. the internet, that I would love to see that step removed from people's experience and, and have a direct connection to mm -hmm. um, mature, authentic, very deep and magical guidance. Mm -hmm. Well, because you have that in several levels, right? In your Kung Fu practice, you That's have right, yeah. a teacher, and in your in your magical practice, you have and had have had teachers along the ways as well, right? Absolutely. What do you, what do you what do you feel that you've gotten from a teacher that you wouldn't have gotten elsewhere? Well, um, when I first came into the understanding of identifying what I was as a witch, it was a long and lonely path. I, I was a solitary practitioner for years and years before meeting a teacher. What a teacher brought forth for me was... Um, experience, the experience outside of myself of someone that had, um, well, the depth of tradition mm -hmm. that could guide me onto the path instead of like, you know, reinventing the wheel. So there was deep value I had in that uh, guidance. And I guess as it would be identified in India, anyone seeking a guru, same idea where you have, or, or shamanic guidance, someone who's an elder, mm -hmm who can perhaps, um, I don't want to say fast track, because that wouldn't really reflect what I'm trying to express, but I guess uh, sidestep the distraction and get deeper into the mysteries in a way that matters. Mm. So a teacher provided a lot of that sort of guidance and uh, um, the sharing of, of their personal mistakes lending to my deeper practice and study. So I, I, I mean, that's one dimension, one wee dimension of a teacher yeah. that I can pinpoint right away. Yeah, I think for me, it's been, um, you know, teacher has, uh, various teachers have really kept my ego in check. They've been like, yeah, you're doing great, dude. And you got a lot left to do. So I won't get too yes, excited. Keep actually, working, keep yes. working, keep working, you know? I love that. And that's where it actually dovetails very nicely into Kung Fu for me. Yeah. So for me, magic, witchcraft, the practicum, the philosophy, everything, it is completely not separate from my martial arts training. Sure. And it's the same principle of what you're saying. It really keeps your ego in check. Yeah. You're either kicking that bag where they said you uh -huh. must, or you're not. Yeah. And that really translates as well. Despite the different semantics, it translates into magic yeah. and witchcraft as well. I, it, it's sort of, as my, my magical progression, my spiritual growth has continued, it's, most of my magic has become the magic of my identity. You know, work where I'm like, oh, how do I need to change myself here? How do I need to work this? I mean, there are external things that I deal with and external ways that I deal with things, but learning how to be flexible internally and in my in my sense of being in the world and my 
and have a very gentle hold on who I am so that that unmovable piece that who I truly am is there and all the rest of it is kind of adjustable depending on what needs to happen or what's functional or useful or whatever. I learned a lot of that from doing martial arts. Like you said, when you're trying to hit a target, you know, I remember trying to learn how to do a 540-degree spinning heel kick <laughs> at head oh, height, right? And, uh, you know, the person was holding the target up at, like, six feet or whatever, and you either hit it or you don't. And really what that usually means is you either hit it or you hit the ground because you've, right. like, messed everything up and your angles are off. And when you, when you stick through something like that and you work through something like that, all of those inner you know, excuses and reasons and other things That's emerge right. and you can be like, you know, to jump back in the land of, land of magic, I cast you out, I'm done with you, I cast you out too, <laughs> I would keep doing this thing and you learn how to manage those things, which is really powerful in every arena of life, right? That's so true. It's very much a Yoda moment. It's yeah. the do or do not. And it's, it does translate to magic because yeah. um, there are you know, very deep um, cycles, ingredients, aspects, inner states, times of being, season, etc., etc., that are conducive to specific waves of, of achievement. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go out in the middle of a February blizzard and start hoeing the land and planting seeds. It just makes no sense. Yeah. So magic and martial arts, these aspects of life experience, these practices, I agree. They do keep you humble in yeah. the most auspicious way. It, and I like to think of it as a coming home to yourself in a way that's reflective of truth rather than what you wish would be. Mm-hmm. And I deeply value that about all of these arts. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a very... Uh, kind of eastern mindset too in certain ways right i mean we have it we have it in the west through stoicism and other kinds of ideas too right Mm -hmm. um you know cynicism in the greek sense and that where we're like focused on what is what is real what is right Right. and but it's a very it's a very eastern kind of mindset i'm going to look at what is i'm going to roll with what is because what is is the thing that is going on as opposed to in a more western mindset people can easily get caught up in this idea that their will, their their ego, their their power can change what is, and sometimes it can, but often it cannot, right? At least not on a timeline, like you say. I'm not going to go be planting my vegetable garden in February. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. You can will it. I'm thinking outdoors, of course, not inside with a lamp and everything, mm-hmm. but um, I do personally acknowledge a very deep gratitude to the East for mm-hmm. informing my magical self and for informing what you had mentioned earlier about remaining like a shapeshifter within to be more flowing with aspects without ourselves that may be more challenging and where we have to um, calm calm the inner being down and learn how to surrender in the right ways mm-hmm. so that we can grow. Um, and again, martial arts and magic are parallel for me in that. Same with visual arts, as a matter of fact, because sometimes yeah. being an artist, as you are, having just completed your epic deck, mm-hmm. which is so impressive, 
um, you know that sometimes in the midst of creating or, or being the conduit while you're weaving a visual piece, they sometimes take on a life of their own. And even though you've drawn a hand 12,000 times, it suddenly looks like a bird head and you don't know why it's doing it and you're struggling against yeah. it like this force, right? Yeah. Um, it's such a dance with, <clears throat> with the creative process, right? Around how do I step back and let it flow mm -hmm. and how do I stay engaged and keep it flowing and how do I like dance and show up in that middle place, you know? And That's right. Like with the deck process, there was definitely... Around card 45, maybe it was, you know, sort of two-thirds of the way through where I'm like, what am I even doing anymore? Who am I? What's going on? <laughs> I was just lost. And, and, this sort of, and at the same time, there was this recognition between this is what I thought that I could accomplish and this is what I am going to accomplish. You know, back to that sort of what is versus what I expected. Yes. You know, and there, there are these moments where it's like, all right, some things belong in other projects. Some things aren't going to happen. You know, spirit intercedes and says, yes, make that hand bird. That's going to be amazing. Correct. Yes. Now it's, now it's perfect. And you're like, all right. So now it's a bird-headed wizard hand. You That's know? right. So, and you need to, um, like when you surrender to a higher mystery that way, that's within you, speaking within you and from without, all circling in, you know, the innumerable dimensions. You also come face to face with the mystery of yourself on these levels that you didn't fathom yeah so i mean these are the things i value about the arts that you've mentioned mm -hmm. and i think that uh that idea of the mystery i mean ultimately we are all mysteries that we are continuing to explore and understand right that's right and i think that again it's kind of a more often Western mindset to think that we will achieve conversation with our guardian angel, say, or, you know, under, reach some level of understanding where we just get it and that's it. And then we're done and we get on with the act of living and whatever. But, you know, I think that even post-individuation, if we want to use Young's term or post-achievement of certain levels of, of magical experiences still continues to be a mystery because yeah. this life is so finite even though it's so wondrous and expansive for us and ourselves are so infinite and expansive that we can never really encapsulate them all within this lifetime that's true and it's interesting that you bring that up because to me <clears throat> um, contrary to my very intense presence out in the world I'm actually a very secretive and internal person uh -huh. that happens to really deeply and passionately love humanity and reach out. Um, I see every individual like a galaxy, uh -huh. and I approach them as such, simply because that's how I perceive myself. Yeah. So that mystery exists in everyone, and when the you know the the two sort of like uh, forces of nature come together, I'm very fascinated by how we have the potentials to uh, deepen within each other um, that which we understand as sacred and divine about ourselves and then that which is that mystery we're like whoa I, mm. who is this person within me I never even realized that being existed mm -hmm. 
How do you uh, how do you sustain that? Do you do you act actively work to sustain that, or has it just become your way of being? Because I find that uh, I'm very good at uh, sustaining that attitude in at the shop. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely with clients. You know, um, but you know, per- perhaps it's just the. Uh, the tensions of parenting and, and all the various mm-hmm. systems that I'm obliged to engage with around that and so on. But there are these moments where there are circumstances where it's very difficult to even remember that that is a thing to think about. Right. And so I'm curious, how, how do you sustain that as you wander through the world and go do all the things you're doing? Well, I strive to... Um, another author that's taught me a lot about this very thing is uh, Pema Chodron. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a very profound uh, Buddhist who speaks a lot about how to lean into things in the difficult times. Mm-hmm. And she has taught me a lot about um, not recoiling from the places in our lives where we're inclined to be repulsed by something, mm-hmm. whether it be having to deal with the government, <laughs> you know, repulsive. Um, uh, having to uh, deal with a very staunch, perhaps strict force that goes against your nature or goes against your values, mm-hmm. where those things come up, or even dealing with aspects within yourself, your shadow work, as Jung would call it, yeah. where you have to deal with the difficult aspects of your past or all of the inner legion mm-hmm. um, the way I try to sustain that wonder is to see that those moments of difficulty are symbolic of my initiator rising and and encouraging me, enticing me enchanting me to move past my own self formulated limitations mm. in relation to that so I try to see a situation where I feel completely certain that it's a certain way. I try to see that as a situation that could perhaps reveal another facet of itself and perhaps allow me to approach it in a new mysterious way, as if it's got some new teaching to mm. give to me. I'm not saying I'm immaculate at it. <laughs> Rosemary is actually a saint, just so you know that's... Yeah, completely transcendent. No. I'm definitely a volcano, to say the least. And uh-huh. That's actually why I do martial arts. Is uh, sure. What brought me to martial arts was an incredibly volcanic level of rage. Yeah. Just a, Same exploding here. through me. Yeah. That I was like, this is such an intense force that I'm either going to wreak destruction upon myself and others, or I have to find the discipline to harness this. Mm-hmm and to use it for life-affirming purpose. And needless to say, in my tornado years, in the 20s and so, I did go through it the hard way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a part of my um, training to be be more disciplined um, with all that. So now instead of recoiling from all those things, I strive to not be so quick to have an absolute statement about it. Mm. I guess that's where the fluid part the sort of sticky hands exercise of, of martial arts comes in. And where my most revered spirit, grandmaster of my heart, uh, Shifu Bruce Lee, uh-huh. would always say, um, 
when they contract, learn to expand. Mm -hmm. When they expand, learn to contract. I really apply that to, like, right across the board, whether it be my spiritual self or my mundane self, which I see as all one big multifaceted jewel. Mm. Hello, Hermit's Lamp listeners. My name's Susie Chang, fellow tarot fanatic, fellow podcast listener. Don't you love hearing Andrew talk with people about tarot and magic and spirit and divination? Well, here's another tarot podcast you just might love. It's called Fortune's Wheelhouse, and it's hosted by me and Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the Rider-Waite-Smith and Thoth decks, and in each episode, we look at the esoteric imagery in one card and decode it for you symbol by symbol so you can understand why the Empress's crown has 12 stars, why the star is always buck naked, and yes, why the hermit is carrying that lamp. We have lots to share about myth, astrology, Kabbalah, and much more, and we have weekly giveaways. It's fun. You can find Fortune's Wheelhouse anywhere you download podcasts. Where does, where do you um, strike in all of that then? Like, um, around uh, social justice, okay. around other things. How do you, how do you relate, if you do? What gets my go? Well, what gets your go, but, or, I mean, more so, how do you uh, expand and contract and recognize the, the divine nature and all of these wondrous things? Mm. And, and, and are there places, or how do you know when it's the time to say, you are a wonderful divine being, and no, this is unjust, or no, this cannot be. Yes, right? I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm definitely not Pollyanna about it. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I would personally say that um, I strive to do a lot of work in the areas of um, justice in relation to um, feminist issues of women's rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, the LGBTQ, yeah. uh, the environment, etc. Anywhere where. Um, the sacred is being desecrated, mishandled, oppressed. I definitely see righteous rage as a very important uh, force that must rise in action. One of the reasons why I'm even a, a, I express that I'm a witch is very much a public and political statement mm-hmm. in and of itself, because there are still places in the world where um, people are still being very seriously tortured and harmed in the name of witchcraft. Sure. That they're being called witches and therefore, you know, mm-hmm. draw out the disturbing um, witch inquisition vibes and yeah. treat people accordingly. That still exists. So I think if you choose the path of the witch, like to to choose to be public with it, rather, is uh, you for myself, I find it it is my personal responsibility to take political ownership for where I could utilize the um, the venues, the realms, the privileges, whatever you want to say mm-hmm. of our reality to strike down oppression. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very um, 
formidable about it. He's definitely like no mercy with mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I find it, I find it wonderful. It's why I want one of the reasons yeah. why I want to talk to you about this kind of stuff yeah. because I think that there's many venues or many places where people talk about this sort of seeing the divine in everyone and channeling love and forgiveness and all of these kinds of ideas that are super important and really, really crucial to cultivating compassion and cultivating an ability to be present with difficult things and, and difficult situations, but they often kind of derail somewhere in that process in a way that doesn't carry through towards uh, recognizing and acknowledging that there may need to be action, right? I think of the witch, of magic, of martial arts, any of the mysteries and beyond that, um, as forces of nature. Mm-hmm. And if one is in alignment with nature, one sees that nature has purpose. It, it's, it's not about moralizing, in, per se, about, you know, coddling you into... I mean, there are certain things that must be stricken, boom, you mm-hmm. know, um, in order to uh, bring cycles back into balance or allow some things to um, disintegrate in order for other things to rise. I think that as a practitioner, as a witch, as a anyone that vibrates with the occult, mm-hmm. there is a certain level of fierceness courage, uh, unapologetic conduct in some ways Mm -hmm. that must be unleashed. And it's, you know, people may be sacred, but it doesn't mean what they're doing is always sacred. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes like a readjustment. And and that starts with ourselves. So that's why I I, I don't say anything about the outer world that I don't apply to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But then... Some people are just bastards. <laughs> There's no way around it. Yeah. Some people have a, a nothing but harmful intention. Mm-hmm. And the bee must sting them in the face of that. The wolf must bite. Mm-hmm. The, the serpent must strike. I'm very much a, a promoter of that. You know, I will walk home at night and unite with you know, Kalima in the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, and woe to anyone that feels they have the right to infiltrate my personal space and try to molest that right. and cause me harm. Sure. There is no amount of uh, all is light and colors that will tame the serpent that will strike at that point mm-hmm. within myself. But I think that's important. And that's another taboo area, actually, for people that want to identify with the spirit. They think, oh, I'm going to be peaceful. There's a misunderstanding of what peace is. Mm-hmm. You know, peace is very fierce as well. You know, uh, the uh, the Shaolin monks practiced kung fu not because they were determined to kill the world. They were protecting the temple. Yeah. You know, cultivating their inner discipline. It was very deep and complex and multidimensional. I think that that's a it's a very interesting idea that is not really talked about well anywhere that I've run across, right? Mm -hmm. Is this sort of note, everyone's like, you know, like in my Arisha traditions, right? Cultivate good character, right? You you, you are Ray Ray or you are Pele, right? You cultivate this good character and 
Through cultivating this good character, you will access more ashe and more ability, and you will become more capable to, you know, work with the spirits and take this to deeper levels. Um, but like, there's there's this sort of moralized notion that sort of crept in at times that that makes it about sort of Christian value or Christian non-action or you know mm-hmm. the sort of like we don't do anything and it's like well but we need to do things about stuff right we need to act and engage and you know deal with things and you know not be afraid to be like you know what this person means harm I'm going to uh, take steps to disarm them to prevent them from causing harm and not just maybe interpersonally but at a you know a, a bigger community level or other levels where you know it's like you know this person is actually not good in the community now we need to call them out in this way or deal with them so this is kind of way in which cultivating character brings us more capacity skill obligation and also at times possibly the need to to act as a vehicle of justice or as a vehicle Mm -hmm. of uh, you know the divine calling out what's gotten out of order in the in the nature of creation, and it's it's so it's something that I feel at such a visceral level, yeah. and yet it's something that I that I've I don't even know how many conversations I've had about it, not many, mm-hmm. and certainly never really come across when people are talking about magical traditions or you know these kinds of things, you know. Well, there's this whole sort of thing. It's kind of a twofold thing that that crossed my mind while you were speaking. One is decolonize magic and witchcraft and and exercise the patriarchy from your witchcraft. These things are very intense themes that roll in my path. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that that's related to that that came across my mind as you were speaking was the whole notion of... Um, Towing the party line and the silence is consent syndrome. This also pervades the occult world. Sure. You know. Um, one must not fear being a shapeshifter or a, a, a shaker of the dust if it's got auspicious, higher love intention. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not saying that I wish to impose my will onto someone. I think it's more of a checking the compass within oneself in relation to one's own value system, understanding that magic is a world of live and let live. You know, mm-hmm. We're all striving for diversity and, and uh, interfaith acceptance. Um, but if there <coughs> is harm, if there is um, something bleeding the integrity out of the greater egregore of something. Mm-hmm. One I feel has, in terms of a social justice warrioress or Amazon or however you identify, has a responsibility to say something. Yeah. It doesn't mean you want to strike somebody down, but silence is consent as well. You can help to perpetuate ills within your community if you're not speaking. Yeah. And that is a very disturbing thing I've seen over the years moving through many circles that I, I strive to be more authentic and honest about and to name and to encourage each other to call that kind of stuff out so mm-hmm. that we can, you know, assist all of our 
uh, alchemical evolution. Yeah, it's if a, if a space is not safe for some people exactly. because people are acting inappropriately, mm-hmm. you know, on, on whatever scale that's happening at, then I think that we have an obligation. Yes. When we see that, to be to step in and do something to surface it, That's to right. heal it, to, to do, or wherever yes. that needs to end up, right? Even if it, if some people may perceive what you're doing as an affront to the tradition. Mm-hmm. That's the big taboo too, right? Like, oh, you shouldn't say that's not, I mean, this is what we do. You should this be, is what we've done for 50,000 You know, years, like, right? you shouldn't even be saying this. Uh-huh. I mean, this whole strange Christianized moralization that's even seeped into the, you know, these occult realms, like, these yeah. need to be exercise like boom so how how do people listening decolonize what do they what do they do to you know or or maybe even like what does that even mean what does that mean people don't even know what that means exactly well i think it comes first of all it comes down to education educating ourselves to expose ourselves to learning about the many different ways in which people walk their own spiritual path Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a deeper understanding of of um, spiritual sacredness as identified, delineated, created by marginalized communities, uh, indigenous communities, people mm-hmm. of color, anyone that's not a darling of dominant society. Like every single person I feel walking the magical path or practicing magic has a responsibility to expand their consciousness outside their own insular understanding of the divine Mm -hmm. not because you're you know uh trying to sidestep who you are more it's more about learning the diverse beauty of the world so you can actually deepen your sensitivity and wisdom in relation to others Mm -hmm. so decolonizing the mind um Educating yourselves as to what it means to be in a first world privileged society. Yeah. Uh, if you are of any um, any realm of society that has experienced privileges, it would be very important to um, take on the back seat and put yourself in an arena where you could be the student and not always have to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, learning learning how to step back and in any dynamic, but especially around decolonizing ourselves, learning yeah. how to step back and allow other people to speak and yes. lead and to speak for themselves, you know, to give them the, the, the microphone, as it mm-hmm. were, the, the, you know, the time to talk, you know, and, and yeah. taking those steps to, to really uh, educate ourselves as opposed to just going to these people, various marginalized people, and being like, hey, tell me how to... It's like, you know, no, no. No, it's not it's about not that job at all. Either, right? It's about you allowing yourself to be in a position where you're really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you know jack. <laughs> you know absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, and recognize that, <laughs> that being raised in, the, in our culture means that there are internalized pieces that are problematic that might arise that need to be like, whoa, 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 that's not really cool. Huh. I'm going to, I'm going to work on myself now and change those notions. Lean into that part of yourself and, yeah. and literally, uh, sit 
with the corpses within yourself yeah. and find comfort yeah. in the in the discomfort that they represent. Um, that's one of the ways in which I I can't help but think about it, that education is the main yeah. issue that yeah. would come forth as a tool to be harnessed in mm -hmm. that quest. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how, uh, in some ways, magic is exactly what I thought it was when it was 12 when I found Magic and Theory of Practice by Crowley and started oh, reading amazing. it. Oh, amazing. It's my, my first serious book on magic. You know, magic is exactly what I thought it was when I read that book. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely not what I thought it was when I read that book, right? You know, because it it really, like, there's that that notion of, you know, do what you will, right? Or do what thou will, you know, mm -hmm. as, as Crowley phrased it. You know, but it's also this notion of, but, but who am I? And who am I really beyond all of these things? Mm -hmm. And how do I deconstruct that sort of imposed sense of self that is the product of our history, our lineage, our parents, our, you know, all these things, right? Like that, there's that very psychological level that really, you know, is liberating. And then I think that there, there are these sort of esoteric levels, like how do I free myself from my astrology? How do I free myself from these other forces? How do I clear that, you know? Mm -hmm. oh, wait, wait, but maybe there's karma here. How do I clear that piece? How do I, you know, so it, in some ways, it starts off, you know, Crowley tricks us all, right? By saying, oh, do what you will, dude. It's going to be awesome, right? But then you dig in, and if you really dig in, you get to this place where you're like, but I don't even know who I really am. Like, what's my true face beyond all these things? I have no idea. And then you got to spend your whole life, or maybe not your whole life, but mm. a lot of your life looking to get to that and, and deconstructing and breaking that down further and further until yeah. it becomes more and more revealed. Well, for me... Um on my maternal side, we're Magyar Romani. Uh -huh. We're brought with a very tumultuous lifestyle, very a lot of upheaval, lots of moving, and a lot of coming face to face with shadow self and yeah. shadow experiences and and the like. It was actually places of of extreme darkness, fear, of uh, of experiences of uncertainty and the unknown, of of the sort of more occult aspects of life that come with instability of home and environment yeah. that brought me to magic actually was striving to um, understand the power of, of the unknown and, and the occult through uncertainty um, the shadows in your closet the new place that allows you to experience a ghost for the first time or sure. any of these things that made me start to ask questions at a very yeah. young age like what is all this what are these dimensions like, yeah. what is this power that has this invisible force to transform x into y you know mm -hmm. on this trajectory and that sort of abstract feeling drew me deeper into try to trying to understand the sort of the ciphers of this silent world that was having such intense impact on my conscious world. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I think I've always identified a lot more strongly as a lunar person. Um, since I was a child, I walked in my sleep until I was like 21 years old. Mm -hmm. So my subconscious world was very deep. 
from a young age, and I found it hard to be in this world. So practicing martial arts is actually one of the things that has helped me to be in the concrete world, because when that foot's at the side of your head, (laughs) you better be there. Kind of came from the opposite end, being astrologically all air and fire, right? And from Crowley's side, being very solar in, in all of that kind of working. And, you know, there was a time in my early 20s where I was, like, looking at the imbalances that I was running in my life mm-hmm. and looking at how you know, the distribution of my chart is, is pretty harmonious in terms of it being even. But, you know, it's all air and fire, right? So it's not mm-hmm. actually a harmony as such, right? And uh, so I, just, I did this work where every time the moon changed signs, mm-hmm. I would invoke the energy of that for a year. Oh, beautiful. And so not only did I call in that water and that earth energy, but I also called on that lunar energy over and over and over and over and over again. You know, like every few days, I was like back in temple, all right, new sign, boom, go. New sign, go, yes. Oh, Keep that's going. great. And, um, you know, and on the full moons and, you know, other things as well. And so I think that, that, that opening that up really, you know, translated into taking all of that mystical energy that I was working and all of that stuff that was super driven towards evocation and manifestation and, you know, certain kinds of things and deepened and unlocked all of the more intuitive and divinatory and mm-hmm. sort of a lot of my more, um, what people would call my psychic capacities because it brought all of that energy back in and harmonized it in a way that then harmonized that sun moon balance and allowed it to then flow in the way that it's sort of gone since then. Well, interesting because as I shared all of that lunar energy from the unknown realms brought me out of my tumult into nature I always consider nature my first mother, my first high priestess, yeah. to teach me the mysteries. This started putting um, expression into these mysteries that felt so abstract in the home. It started putting expression through just the sheer, diverse unfolding of nature's wisdom around me. Mm-hmm. So I was I managed to take that lunar self and bring it out into nature to deepen my teaching and a lot of this went on long before I could relate to language Mm -hmm. so uh, from I mean same with visual art which is why I started um, expressing myself through images so early this the silent unfolding of things was my language long before words and evocation like I needed the the flash of symbol and vision and and still I need it. Yeah, I mean, to me, this day, me, yeah. The visual, I can articulate visually mm-hmm. so that I can then process that and then talk about it in words or mm-hmm. more cognitively, you know? Right. Because for me, that artistic stuff uh, taps into many levels of consciousness all at once in a way that is very complex to try and articulate in oh, words. Yeah. But once it's been processed that way, then easily, then much more easily, can be brought into into the words, you know, up until that point, which I'm like blah blah blah, and then the rest is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, art is magic to me as well, yeah. on a very deep level. I always synchronize painting and projects in relation to the cycles of the moon. I have one painting. I'm the worst. I'm the worst procrastinator when it comes to my creations. I'm so obsessively luxuriant about my... Uh, luxurious. I'm not sure what the right word is. About my process. Uh -huh. I'm so sensuous with it, with the experience that I have a painting out that's taken me 10 years to complete. Right. Just simply because I'm more concerned with the evolution of my spirit and experience of work as, it, as the painting's unfolding. And I have this one painting that is is called um, Conject Conjectrix, uh, that I have painted, a reserved to painting just when there were solar and lunar eclipses, mm -hmm. because this painting itself deals with lunar eclipse right. uh, uh, phases. Yeah. But it's getting out of hand, you know. It's just like, okay, let's wrap this up already, you know. Well, it's, how many cycles is enough cycles? Right, exactly. Finish, right? How many cycles do you need? But um, mm -hmm. I could get very, like, my paths cross a lot like that. I find it very difficult to keep separate, like, these different arts separate. It's all one interconnected weave mm -hmm. of weaving of, of uh, magic. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, birth of the conjectrix, once that's completed, yeah. is, right? What emerges from that process? I think I had the preliminary phase of her displayed here once, and I looked at it, and I thought, I my stars, it's not complete. Yeah. i got to take it home and continue painting on it. Uh, yeah. I, I've definitely, uh, especially having just completed 78 pieces of artwork, The, uh, the my motto was, uh, there's this thing that people can find online called the manifesto of done mm -hmm. and it's like 10 or 11 principles for like getting things finished oh. and uh, one of them which was my mantra through this is done is the engine of more and so i was like yeah this one's done what's next more i need more well, <laughs> i keep cycling <laughs> through these things you know because yeah I, because i would definitely do some of that as yeah. well right where i would just retouch and rework and rethink and reconsider and well you solicit my deepest respect this is what i strive for because i could just go ad infinitum uh -huh. right? with the process so i want to thank you for sharing that manifesto with me because very clearly there's destiny in you expressing this to me at this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um other than that the painting continues i'm on the verge of of uh, submitting two works, one to the Unnatural History Exhibit. Mm -hmm. It's going to be happening on October 5th. Nice. Uh, well, October 5th I submit to, um, I believe it's Test Gallery. Um, and simultaneously I'm submitting a piece to the Wonderworks opening for the Witch Fest North. So nice. the painting's continuing, yeah. and I'm striving to be less... Uh, self-indulgent about the process and share more because I find when I share with people people are like I had no idea you paint to this extent mm -hmm. why don't you share your work I'm like oh yeah I should probably share my work yeah for people who don't know Rosemary's work we'll uh, scare up a link for the show notes it's uh, delightful and impressive and in person uh, they are like vortexes that you just kind of fall into and become disorientated in their majesty for a period of time I had the, the pleasure of having a show at the shop a while back that had a couple of your pieces here, and they were yeah, truly magical. So. Oh, and one of which, you know, had a journey of its own that 
where I traveled down to South America and almost got confiscated into the void. And I had to hail a great amount of will uh-huh. to get that back. And we prevailed, of course, allowing the New York show to happen. Um, but a lot of my works are on my website, if anyone wants to see. Well, not a lot, some, a little splattering, mm-hmm. smattering, um, which is uh, www.rosemarystalic.com. Perfect. So just and my that's name. That's just like it sounds. We'll put a link in the show notes. Just my name. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I milled about it for the longest time. I had 50 million different mystical uh-huh. names. And I thought, okay, my friend uh, Patty Tozer, who has her wonderful prints here in your shop this evening, mm-hmm. that I've noticing the ongoing saga of this wonderful show, um, she is my webmistress, and she said something really wise to me about, um, you know, you got to start somewhere. Just put something out there. Yeah. Just make it happen. So I, I decided, okay, well, I might as well put some of the work out there and name it something, she said, that reflects the people you admire. Like, think of the beings you admire and what is it you find? I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's just their name. Yeah. David Bowie. Uh-huh. Exactly. Peter D- Gabriel. David Bowie doesn't need to come up with a fancy record, right? Uh, right? It's just, you just say, it, and I think, you know, I don't need to complicate this. I just simply need to strip all pretense down and just have the courage to come out of that sort of like giant, you know, pomp and circumstance and just be my being yeah. and share that being. And get away from that. I mean, that's where my secret of being is. Eh? Just mm-hmm. like getting behind the glamour of something and just uh, let this be the name and all, you know, be the person behind the curtain. That's um, mm-hmm. no, just step out and be intimate with humanity and be yeah. okay about it. That was my devotion to putting my website together a lot more humbly. And mm-hmm. Hence, my name. That's the website. Yeah, and I think that I think that if we all, I mean. There's so much, especially in the occult communities, right? Of like mm-hmm. this, that, and whatever, and like titles and things and fancy hats and secret handshakes and, and all that shenanigans, right? It's like, what if, what if we were just like hung out? What if we were just like a bunch of people with heartbeats and like yeah. sat around and talked about what we what we were up to and what's going on and what we thought about things and you know like and and again yeah. in that like I recognize. The, the infinite cosmic mysteries in everybody yeah. and it's not about it's not about anything other than engaging with that right? sharing I mean even another one of my grand maguses of my soul is H.R. Giger uh-huh. who really doesn't have to say anything more but to say his name is H.R. Giger mm-hmm. and his legacy speaks for itself yeah. incredibly magical deep and complex individual that doesn't need his website to say anything else yeah. Cosmos rest his divine soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just H.R. Giger, you know yeah. exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm striving for in my own realms. I like it. Yeah. Well, you already shared your website, which is awesome. And I will make sure there's a link to it in the show notes. Thank but you. But so I want to thank you for this conversation. It has been delightful. I'm honored that you uh, welcomed me here um, and wish great prosperity to your projects, The Ongoing Saga. Mm-hmm. And thank you to everyone that tuned in with us tonight. I am very grateful that 
for this opportunity to speak on the occult. Down and dirty. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> All secrets have been revealed. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I hope you've really enjoyed it. Uh, a big thanks to the lovely human beings who have put some wonderful reviews on iTunes for the podcast. Please do consider supporting the Patreon. You know, I sound like a PBS ad, but seriously, even a dollar helps. It all adds up towards being able to make all sorts of exciting things happen, both for yourself and for others. So head on over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp, or use the link in the show notes. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.